Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans and welcome back to the 27th episode of the Peristyle Podcast. We talk all about USC Trojan football here on the Peristyle Podcast and of course we're sponsored by uscfootball.com. I am the publisher of uscfootball.com, Ryan Abraham. Thank you very much for joining us and also thanks very much to Coach who joins me in the first segment every week on the show, Coach Harvey Hyde. How's it going today, Coach? Ryan, I tell you what, you don't know the feeling I, and the rush I have right now. And everyone might think I'm going to talk about because of the football season. But no, I was watching the NFL Network today. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, you are on the NFL Network. I stopped doing everything. And I watched your segment. And I want to sort of pub that a little bit for you. I thought you were real good. And if people want to watch it. Why don't you give the details of when you're on? All right, okay, Coach, I will definitely do that. Thanks for embarrassing me on the show, but uh, we'll talk about that in a second. I just want to thank our sponsor before we get right into the show. It's Southern California Tickets. If you need tickets for anything, and of course, that big Ohio State game's coming up on uh, uh, September 13th. I almost said August 13th. September 13th, USC Ohio State. You can go to sctickets.com or call one 800 888 7287 for sporting events, concerts, theater, but of course that USC Ohio State game is looming. Coach, do you need any tickets for that one? No, I tell you, I don't need any, but I know they have some too, because I was talking to them the other day. They have them for Oregon, Cal, and so on. And all the games are sold out, so if you're going to go and attend a USC Trojan football game, you're going to have to call someone like Southern California Ticket Service. Yes, definitely. And if you have any questions for the coach or myself, for the podcast, we'll be happy to answer those. You send us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Now, Coach, yeah, you did mention that. I did kind of a media blitz today. I was on with uh, Roger Lodge in the morning on 8, uh, 8.30 a.m. It's the Angel Station. They actually have uh, Roger Lodge uh, on there. He has his own morning show. He had me on talking uh, USC Football a little bit. If you guys remember him, he was the host of Blind Date several years ago. So it's a funny guy. He's a, he really knows the sport. So he's on in the morning. I was on with him. And then, uh, of course, there's a show called College Football Now. This is the second season of the show. It's on the NFL Network. It's the NFL Network's way. They're trying to uh, branch out into the college world. Uh, they do a lot of NFL draft stuff. And they're at the Senior Bowl. I was actually down there with them last year in Mobile, Alabama. They cover the draft, the combine. And so they, they wanted a show where they could talk about the college teams. And what they've done is they've reached out to sites like myself and other ones like on Rivals.com. Well, they'll talk to publishers of each of the teams and get kind of the inside information of what is going on there. So luckily, the show just started uh, yesterday on Tuesday. And I was on doing a campus report yesterday. And I was in studio with them today. So, Coach, uh, thanks for checking that out. I mean, you know, you and my mom were, were watching at least. I want to tell you, you made my day. It made my day. I really enjoyed watching it, and I thought your information you gave out was up to date. And for all our Trojan fans, uh, I think it's fa- fantastic. The more you know about this year's team, the more you can, you know, enjoy the games, and the more intelligent you can talk about as far as uh, USC football. Well, thanks. I appreciate it, Coach. And uh, yeah, we try to get the most up to date information up there. They actually extended the show this year. It's an hour show, 
and most of it's done live where last year they taped it a few hours before they still tape our segments um which you know we we tape our segments in the morning but then we can uh, i can call it and do live stuff with them and they, I, I can send them information and they'll put it up there saying ryan abraham of uscfootball.com is reporting and blah 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 so it's kind of cool and uh yeah, it's it's a neat experience. I don't know if you've done much TV, coach. I know when you were a coach, you were you were on TV, but it's it's a little uh, a little nerve wracking at first, but it's pretty good. You get used to it, and it's kind of fun to be up there and see yourself. No, it is, and I think you did a great job, and uh, and I uh, just I'm glad you had an opportunity to tell everybody about it because uh, you let me know about it, and I watched it, and I thought it was great. Now let's move on and talk about what's happening. Yes, definitely. Well, one of the things that they wanted to ask me about, and it's, it's kind of been a common theme. There's been a lot of injuries coach. And, uh, you know, there's injuries to the quarterback position, running back position, uh, different guys are out. Sometimes they're just brief, you know, stints on the bench and other times they're out for significant periods of time. Coach, why is all this happening at USC? Well, you know, I, I don't have a definite answer for it, but uh, if I did, I'd be able to, to patent it and sell the answer. <laughs> but, but, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Ryan. Uh, I'll tell you, if you've been to an SC practice, which you have, and a lot of our listeners have not been to an SC practice or moved around to different practices uh, of college football, high school football, whatever, and watched the intensity of these practices, uh, you can see them always on on some of the highlights that they have on television and the different uh, Big Ten network and so on when they go to the different practice fields and visit each campus and so on. Uh, there, there's The pace of practice at USC is the same whether it's in pads or not pads. doesn't make any difference. And remember, when you're a great athlete and you have great athletes, you're bigger and faster than most athletes. So when there's a collision... That athlete is going at a faster rate and a harder rate and an all-out effort rate than a lot of other athletes are doing at other programs. And there's more competition at USC than other programs. So the intensity and the effort of each play by USC football players at a different level, whether it's an individual effort, one-on-one, three-on-three, seven on seven, 11 on 11, it doesn't make any difference. So a lot of times you might think that, oh, it wasn't a full pad scrimmage, but everything you're doing is full speed and the collision is just as hard. And, you know, it's very difficult to protect your legs and your knees and your ankles without any pads on your legs. So, you know, the, the speed of a drill at USC is the same whether it's full pads or just shoulder pads or just helmet and trunks. doesn't make any difference. And this is the intensity and the level that is played at USC and practiced at USC because of the competition that's there. And it's the philosophy there of Pete Carroll, 100% whenever you do anything. And uh, I like it, but with this comes along, Injuries because of the collision when you're bigger and you're faster and you're stronger and you collide or you fall or you get stepped on. Well, those things happen. So during camp, you have more than normal, except SC practices very hard during the week, during game week two. They have competition Tuesday and all of these other drills that they do where they go full speed. So when you go full speed, you know, you're going to have more injuries. A lot of coaches say 
hey, we don't hit much. We have a scrimmage on Saturdays, and the rest of the time it's walkthrough or recognition and this and that. And, you know, they announce when they're having a big scrimmage. Well, I see scrimmages every day in one form or, the, or another. So uh, I think that's one reason for it. Uh, it's not the complete answer, but I know that whenever you practice as hard and you're intent and you're, you're, you're high intensity and you're going hard every down or drill, you're going to have these type of nicks and nooks and uh, and sprains. You know, so far, knock on wood, there hasn't been any blown out knees or, you know, a couple of uh, incidents off the field have happened that have not been, that have been very unfortunate, like McKnight in the door closing on his hand. But when you have a hundred guys or a hundred and five guys and they're gladiators and you train them to be gladiators, hey, you're going to have some injuries. So this is basically what's going to happen. But when it gets to be game time, you'll be surprised how quickly these wounds, as I call them, or injuries heal up. And Coach Carroll will have them ready to play. He'll know the week before the game, Virginia game, who he needs to sort of hold out a little bit, let that individual have a little bit more rehab, and sort of call it back and slow it back a little bit because they'll be ready to hit Virginia for sure. Definitely, Coach. And uh, I guess there's kind of a whole risk-reward scenario here, and we've talked about this in the past. And we've had actually fans that are on our message boards on uscfootball.com kind of complaining that why are they practicing so hard, why are they able to hit. But the risk-reward is that because you play so fast every day in practice, I mean, you get the reward of it does make the game slower. It's not like when you go to a game, it's a way different speed than what you're practicing in. You know, it's not the games don't get faster. If anything, they get slower. But obviously the risk is if you're going to play that hard in practice, then you run the risk of actually getting hurt. And because Pete Carroll's been able to recruit so well, I guess he kind of minimalizes the the impact there because you do have a lot of bodies that if one guy gets hurt, it's unfortunate but there's usually two guys that are waiting to step in who are you know, a similar quality athlete that are still on the roster. You're exactly right, Ryan, and it's amazing how quickly you get well because there is somebody capable of playing your position. So it works both ways. If you happen to get hurt, well, you're going to be in that training room and you better get well because if you take too long to get back, someone will take your position. And I don't mean to use this in that term, but Mark Sanchez wants to get, wants to get back and play as soon as he can, it was very unfortunate he got hurt because we're getting close to a game. He's been waiting his turn. He wants to get in there. He wants to play because if uh, Mustaine or Corp have a great game against Virginia and he doesn't play, then it's a more difficult decision for the coaches on who will play and who will start against Ohio State. Definitely. We'll hear from Mark Sanchez in the next segment. I got to catch up with him yesterday after practice, so I'll have that audio for everybody we'll play that in the next segment but coach one of the things you mentioned was you do want to hit a guy in a different color you know jersey a different uniform and they have been going for about three weeks only going against themselves hitting going at it and i I think they kind of get sick of it and we're going to talk about something taylor may said about the offense uh next but part of you know part of that on the injury front i mean do, do you think that guys towards the end of camp like they get a little anxious and maybe they're hitting a little harder than they were before just because they want to get geared up and they want to get ready to play a, a real opponent well that happens you know you have your good days and your bad days you have some days where it just they just drag through practice and the coach has to motivate them a little bit and get them going and so on but you get a point where 
you really you get tired of going out there and doing the same things over and over and over, so you try to change it up a little bit. But, yeah, you do get tired of practicing against yourself because they've been practicing against themselves since the Rose Bowl game, basically, on during summer workouts and weightlifting and all the things they've been doing. And uh, they've been looking forward uh, to their first opponent and what, they, what it's all about. And you really only have 12 opportunities, 12 hours. When you think about it, Ryan, 12 hours for the entire off-season recruiting, off-season programs, spring practice, practice, fall camp, having 12 hours, one hour per game to decide, was this a successful year? So, yeah, you look forward to smacking on somebody else. You want to find out how good you are. You want to find out how good other people are. And you look at it as a real challenge. You get real nervous about it because it means so much to you. And you remember what the feeling is to lose. When you win a lot, sometimes you take winning for granted. And you don't know what the feeling really is to lose. And you don't know what the disappointment is until you lose. And I think that game last year against Stanford has never left USC. It's something that will stay in these players' hearts and minds and knowing what that feeling was. And I think that will get them ready as long as as they're healthy and they're ready to go and they don't make mistakes. and You know, they go down into Virginia and, and, and represent the Pac-10 as well as themselves. Remember, whenever you go against another conference, you're representing your conference against that conference, whether it's the Big Ten or the ACC or the Southeastern Conference. And Arizona State and Georgia get after it. UCLA and Tennessee get after it. Michigan State, I think, and Cal get after it. Oregon State and Penn State, they get after it. So, you know, you want to give that extra effort not only for yourself but for your conference. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. And, uh, you know, if, if USC players are not trying to avenge that Stanford loss, if, if that's not in the back of their head, then there's really something wrong. I think uh, they left some, left some meat on the bone. They left a little bit on the table last year. I think they all know that. So we'll have to see where they come out and uh, how they kind of play with this year, even though they have some questions on offense. But speaking – of the offense, just so people have not been down to practice, and if you haven't been reading our reports on USCfootball.com, shame on you. But just in general, the defense has been winning. The, the the you know obviously Mark Sanchez got hurt, but overall it has been the defense outplaying the offense in general. Not every day, but in general that's been happening. And Taylor Mays was quoted as saying the following: the the only time the offense has success is if we mess up. We meaning the defense. And he said, went on to say, I don't think I, res- I'm, I'm sorry, I don't think anyone really impresses me on our offense. But then he says, the offense is going to be all right as to try and uh, smooth that over. Is this just like a kind of a cocky defender coach talking a little trash to the offense, trying to get them motivated? Or what do you think is going on there? Well, I think maybe, you know, uh, kids talk sometimes and they're sorry later for what they said. I think it's a, a voice of confidence for yourself and the defense uh, entirely. And also, uh, it's not trying to put down the offense, obviously. That's, that's something he's not intending to do because the offense, uh, you know, keeps the defense off the field. And without an offense, you're not going to win many football games. We've discussed that before. But I think uh, what he said is a true statement. You, when, you, when an offense is successful, they, they've beaten somebody. And if they haven't beaten somebody, then someone defensively has made a mistake. 
whether they covered or they had the wrong coverage and someone didn't go where they're supposed to go or a linebacker missed the tackle or whatever. And you call that messing up or you call it whatever you, whatever you want to call it. But, again, you could say, too, the offense would score every play if everybody, all 11 people, did what they were supposed to do. So, you know, I don't think he did it in any vicious way towards the offense. He knows how important the offense is to him. And for him saying no one on the offense uh, impresses me, well, maybe that saying, well, no one on the offense I'm afraid of as far as facing or whatever. And, and it meant to be in a, in a confidence way saying he didn't put anybody down. All he did was say that, you know, he's not intimidated. And he, then he came back and said, but our offense will be good. And as far as the defense slowing down the offense now at this point, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. They should be. The defense is always ahead of the offense in fall camp, always. Because, you know, you can make a mistake and make a tackle, and if you made a tackle, you did the right thing. And, and, and defense is more basic than offense. Uh, offense is more uh, ha- everything has to work right. You have to have the right play. Everyone has to recognize the defense. The ball has to be you know, pe- thrown correctly. You've got to read the secondary. There's a lot of things that have to happen in order for you know, the offense to have success. And, you know, let's, let's give FC credit. Their de- defense should be pretty good. They've got all these returners coming back, all of these players who are great players. I think the best linebacker group group and best secondary group in the country. And the way the defense is now playing up front, I really like the job that Nick Hole is doing coaching the defensive line. I'll tell you what, the defensive coaches right now are getting after it. Norton, Holt, Rocky Cito, these guys are in the players' face. There is nothing that's good enough that these players can do. They can't hit hard enough. They can't pursue hard enough. They can't do anything good enough. And these players have built up this this confidence and this nastiness that I haven't seen really over the last couple of years, especially in the defensive line area. And 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 I really think that that's been a little bit of an intimidating thing towards the offense at this time. Yeah, coach, they definitely do not lack for confidence on defense and the coaches are after them just like you said uh they could win every period and then they lose one play and the coaches are on them they really want to push this defense to be as you know good as they can possibly be and it could be good of historic proportions you know how how good they could really be the talent everywhere the the secondary so deep and the linebacker group was so good and there's so much potential on the defensive line with Philly Moala, who could be a top ten pick, and Everson Griffin's just a freak of an athlete. Kyle Moore is real solid, and who see, you know see who comes up in that nose guard spot. If Spicer really has the potential to be a great player, I mean they could just not miss a beat after losing three first rounders off the defense alone. It's just kind of mind boggling. No, I think they can be better defensively. I really do. Uh, I'm not saying they can replace Cedric Ellis or anything like that, but I think as a team, as a group, I think they can be better defensively. Clay Matthews is a great athlete. I mean, you've got depth everywhere. I think he's under. Really, I think I, I really think he goes unnoticed as good as he really is. He can really play. And uh, I think they play well as a team now. They pursue better. They look faster. They're larger. They're smarter, too. So uh, I think defensively, this might be the best group that I've seen out there totally. Now, I mean, I'm talking about depth-wise starters and the whole thing that I've seen at FC the last couple of years. I agree with you, Coach, and it's going to be that time. We are almost there. It's uh, 
August 30th, that opener at Virginia. And then, of course, the huge showdown September 13th at home, the home opener against Ohio State. But, Coach, we're out of time for this segment. Unfortunately, we'll be back with you next week. Talk of Georgia football. Thank you very much for joining us. Brian, it's going to be good next week because we should probably know who the start is going to be for the Virginia game. And that'll be real interesting to talk about. Definitely will. We'll know that. And we're gonna, I'm going to give you some more information on Mark Sanchez that you might not have known. You can hear from him when he talked about practice after this short break. And then in the final summer, we're actually going to preview one of the arch rivals of USC, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So stay tuned. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Hello again, Trojan fans. We're back with the Parastyle Podcast, episode number 27. This is our second segment, and our special guest in this segment is no one. Unfortunately, you're flying solo with Ryan Abraham right now, but that's okay. We're just going to give you up-to-date information on what's been going on with the injuries we talked about in the last segment on the podcast uh, let's start up with the main guy the guy in the center the signal caller as we like to call it, except dan wikey our beat writer does not like that term signal caller so you might see me say that a little bit more just to uh, get under his skin but the quarterback mark sanchez he was out about 10 11 days and uh dislocated his left kneecap as you know a couple days of he was being immobilized and he was on the cart it's kind of funny to watch him at practice on the cart, he's riding around, watching the offense go. And uh, whenever the offense would make a big play, he would kind of toot his horn. So that was kind of funny just to see him in there. You could see his leadership skills kind of coming out where he still wanted to be involved. And it's it's just that personality he's had all summer long. And I think that the team lost a little bit when he did go down. And having him out there on the cart, just watching and kind of giving ideas to the quarterbacks and helping them, trying to coach them along along next to the coaches, I think that helped the team overall. But then, over the weekend, we got to see Mark Sanchez plant his back foot, which is his right foot, and throw. And uh, obviously, he hurt his left kneecap, but he was still able to throw, looked like he could move around okay. and was just kind of playing catch uh, on the sidelines. There was a scrimmage on Saturday night at the Coliseum. And we got to see him throw in there. I put a little video footage of that up for you on uh, uscfootball.com. So you could see that. Uh, but then the big story came on Tuesday at practice where he took part for the very first time. Earlier on the walkthrough, he got to throw to some dummy receivers. And then later on in the day is when he actually put his helmet on, which he actually forgot. He forgot his helmet. 
because he hadn't been co he hasn't been practicing for 10 days or so like i said someone brought him his helmet pretty quick and uh, he was able to throw during the walkthrough portion which is the very first portion uh, of the practice and then they had their stretching and you get to see him uh, stretching around moving his legs um, running up and down the field so he looked good he looked like he was pretty mobile and uh, then they have their position drills where they have the quarterbacks kind of throwing to receivers to warm up. He took part in all of those and was leading the pack. Usually you have the first string quarterback making the first throw to a receiver and they'll, the second string, third string in order will keep throwing to that same receiver and they'll keep running that same route. And once all the quarterbacks go through that drill, they'll go and do another route and they all throw that one again. And Mark was taking the first team reps with those drills like he normally would do as a starter. Uh, he was not in full pads. He was just in helmets and shorts, and the rest of the team was in full pads. But he was out there with his yellow number six jersey making all of those throws. Then he did some position drills with the one-on-ones wide receivers versus defensive backs, where they have the quarterbacks while the rest of the team is doing nine-on-seven and doing their team run portion, where they're kind of mostly running the ball with the linemen. They have the wide receivers go one-on-one -on -one against the cornerbacks and safeties, and they did that. Uh, Mark Sanchez was actually throwing those balls and probably about halfway through that drill, uh, the, co the doctors came over and told him to stop throwing. So he said he didn't have a pitch count per se. They just kind of knew about the time he would stop throwing. Uh, but it, this came a point in the drills where they said, okay, they took him back. They put him under the triage tent. He got to ice his knee a little bit. And then if you thought he was bored of being, <laughs> of being on the cart, he had to get back on the cart and watch the rest of practice that way. So usually him and some other injured player like Joe McKnight was on the cart with him for a while or Bryce Butler for a little bit. They get to drive around together and he honks the horn whenever they make a good play. Uh, so that was good. But the big thing on Tuesday was he was throwing, you know, against the scout team. He was throwing one-on-one -on -one drills. He was hitting moving targets. So that was good. And afterwards he said that he didn't really feel he had any rust and we're actually going to hear from him coming up in the segment. So you can hear the audio that we talked to him after practice on Tuesday. Uh, but he's definitely ahead of schedule. Um, you know, they, they didn't think it would take a little while for him to come back. But he did come back fairly early. Uh, it's not an injury that any bone or ligament damage happened. So there was just kind of a kneecap popping out and popping back in. It's, it's a very different injury than what happened to Andrew Bynum, the setter for the Lakers. Obviously, he's been out for months and months. He ended up having surgery again. That obviously did not need to happen for Mark Sanchez. Uh, we put up video of him stretching and throwing the football around on from his Tuesday practice. We put it up on usafootball.com on Wednesday. So about five minutes of Mark Sanchez doing stuff. You can check that out on usafootball.com. They allow us to film. They, we can't film the whole practice, but we can film the early portions of practice when they're not doing kind of formations and plays. So not to give any information away to anyone else that might be watching that's on the USC schedule. But the good part about that is the parts we can film, the quarterbacks end up doing a lot of work. Sometimes they're doing special teams work uh, on other parts of the field, but the quarterbacks are still throwing and throwing to receivers. So we did get some really good shots of Mark Sanchez. If you want to see how mobile he, mobile he is for yourself, you can go to uscfootball.com and check it out. So what's going to have to happen is – Mark Sanchez will need to be in pads by Monday or Tuesday of next week before the game, which is on Saturday at Virginia, if he wants to start the game. Uh, he was very optimistic, and you can hear that 
uh, in his own words when we play that audio for you. He was very optimistic that he could play. There's a few different scenarios. Obviously, one is he doesn't play. Uh, another scenario is he starts, but he doesn't play the whole game. Maybe he plays a quarter and a half. Maybe USC is dominating at that point, and they bring in somebody else. Uh, you know, if I don't think it would be easy for them to take him out unless he struggled mightily or he did really, really well. So kind of like a preseason NFL game, if he comes in and does really well, maybe they don't have a, a huge lead, but he does well enough that they can take him out and kind of rest his knee and let you know Mitch Mustaine or Aaron Corp kind of follow through with the rest of the game and kind of manage the game, hold on for a victory. I think they would like that because the problem is, and we talked about this with Coach last week, Coach Harvey Hyde, is going into the Ohio State game, you need to know who's going to be the quarterback. And if Mark Sanchez doesn't start that game or doesn't at least play somewhere at Virginia, it's going to be hard justifying putting him in for Ohio State, You know, obviously depending on Mustaine or Corp and how they perform at Virginia. If they struggle, obviously it's not a big deal to put in Mark Sanchez. If they play really well, then it could be a problem. Like why would you put in Mark Sanchez when one of these other quarterbacks is playing well? Uh, but the offense has struggled since Mark's gone down. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the offensive line that is getting better, uh, but that you know I think they really need Mark back. That leadership is kind of the the intangibles that he brings. Maybe not a hundred times better thrower, obviously not, but maybe not so much better as a thrower as a passer than the other guys. But as a leader, I think he became this team's leader over the summer, and I think everyone looked up to looked up to him. And a little bit of wind was taken out of their sails when Mark went down with the injury. All right. Oh, Ronald Johnson, one quick point on that. Uh, Ronald Johnson was quoted after practice saying that, you know, he still got it because uh, Mark Sanchez put a ball right on Rojo's hands, a deep ball, and uh, he knew that the ball was thrown perfectly. So Mark can still throw. He's not rusty at all. It's just going to see how much mobility he has and how he gets it back. If he can get in pads by Monday or Tuesday, look for him to start that game at Virginia. All right, well, let's hear from Mark. This is uh, Mark Sanchez after practice on Tuesday, coming out of the locker room, addressing the media. What's the word? How's it feel? Good. Felt good throwing today. Um, I did a lot more um, exactly what we expected, just doing a little bit of individual and routes on air, one-on-ones and stuff. So it felt good. I'll wait. Sark said it's been so long. You said you forgot your helmet. I did. I didn't even think about taking it. Um, But they brought it out real quick, so that was good. But, um, yeah, it felt really good. I felt in rhythm. My arm strength feels fine. Um, hopefully be able to do a little more tomorrow. Any rust or anything like that? Or? I don't think so. I felt good. I felt really good. You said so. yesterday that you were having, still having some pain fully flexing it. Does yeah, it it's similar, better? similar, but um, I didn't try and, you know, sprint or anything. So just light jogging and light workout stuff with the team. But it was good to get back in the team setting and call plays and see guys in the huddle and stuff like that. So signal and all that. Been pretty, you've been trying to stay pretty positive through all this, but what did this do for your mood, I guess, to be out there? Oh, it's, I mean, it's good for me. It's good for the team to see that I'm working to get back, and and they know, um, you know, that I'm competitive, and they're all telling me to be careful, too. So, um, but I feel good. You said for my mood, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's a boost. I mean, it's, it's a plus that, that I'm on my feet this early doing as much as I am. So we're ahead of schedule, and it's really exciting. I'm glad. I, I need it. I'm getting bored. So will you be in the starting lineup on August 30th? We'll see. I mean, if, if I'm were, making the starting lineup, of course. Based on kind of how you feel, you feel I feel really good. It's, it's a definite possibility. Uh, I mean, this is the way things are headed. This is looking good. So we'll see. 
had you not allowed yourself to, you know, you were positive, but deep down, is this better than you were even being positive in terms of... I don't know. I've been really, you know, whatever Dr. Meyer's been saying, you know, we're going to do each day. I've been doing that. And then, you know, on my own, I just kind of tested a little bit. Just, you know, at practice, he said, all right, last throw. And I take two more, you know, just because that's, I mean... I'm trying to push this thing and see how much it can stand without really going overboard. So um, we'll see. That's good, many, though. About how many throws did you make today? Uh, 35. I don't know. There wasn't like a pitch count. Yeah, no, they didn't. Dr. Mara was probably counting out with him. I was <laughs> going to go out practice. I felt good, though. I felt really good. And then the best part is right now. I mean, we iced it up after. It feels good now. This is tonight. Tomorrow is when it would start to hurt. So we'll see if it feels good. It's Looking good right now. Is that when they check back? What now? Yeah, usually, I mean, later at night or um, a couple days ago, we did quite a bit in the Coliseum, and the next day it was really sore that night and the next day. So we'll see how it feels in response to this. But it looks good. It was already hurting before. So this almost be a plus for your arm, you know, not having to maybe have a well, that arm period. It just I guess. I mean, I, my arm's fresh. I feel good. I just got to make sure I don't throw too much at one time and make sure I'm still icing, so I feel good. You mentioned that uh, by Tuesday you'd have to be back in practice. You kind of eyeing that game to return? Hopefully. I, I mean, if I'm going to play, I need to. So that's my ultimate goal is to be back on the field, full practice by Monday, Tuesday. Like physically, what do you think you have to do by then? Um, just show, you know, full flexion. I'm pretty close now, um, but without pain would be nice. And then, you know, to be able to fully sprint and cut and roll out and all those things. So we haven't really tested that too much. We'll do more more, uh, more rehab tomorrow and see how it goes. All right. So you get to hear from Mark. There's a couple more injuries on offense we want to chat about. Uh, the new injury that happened on Tuesday that's one of the more serious ones, I believe, that we've seen at fall camp is the injury to C.J. Gable. So Gable, if you remember had to redshirt last season because of a groin injury. And uh, this season, you know, he was looking good. He hasn't broke some of the big runs that you would see, like from an Allen Bradford, even Stephon Johnson broke some runs. But he's definitely the best blocker that USC has in the backfield. Um, And he also is able to catch the ball out of the backfield really well. He's kind of like the overall all-around guy when it comes to the tailback spot. And he's had some really spectacular... 10-yard type of runs. You can watch him when we put up uh, video highlights from the scrimmages, and we're going to have another one of those on Thursday night, so you can check that out as well. But he's had these really good runs where there's nice moves. You can see his footwork, and when we kind of zoom in on that, and just he's just really adept at, at planning and stopping on a dime and, and making people miss. And, well, that's something he did try to do on Tuesday. He got caught a little high, and his cleats kind of got caught in an awkward position underneath him. And then Wes Horton, the true freshman defensive lineman, came and hit him high. Now, this was in full pads. It wasn't a dirty hit at all. But Wes Horton hit him, and his cleats kind of got stuck in. His, his left cleats kind of got stuck in the turf. He went down awkward, and uh, he was down on the field for several minutes. Uh, the, the medical staff came over and surrounded him, and the, the, the drill kind of switched directions. They went in the other direction so they wouldn't be near where C.J. Gable was down on the ground. But they uh, attended to him for several minutes, and they brought him under the triage tent and uh, checked him out there. Then they brought a cart over and ended up carting him off the field, kind of away from everybody because there was a rather large crowd there, as there has been for many of these fall practices because Pete Carroll 
keep them open like we reported before. But they took uh, took Gable out on the cart. Uh, later on afterwards, they saw him. Uh, you could see him coming out of the locker room on crutches. Uh, the, the injury report was he had a high ankle sprain, which is one of those ankle sprains that actually takes a little bit longer uh, to heal. So those can be kind of nagging, you know, several week injuries that could kind of even linger on longer than that. But he also had a hip sprain and the x-rays were negative on the hip, but they're going to do an MRI today. We have not got the results yet, but we will get those up on uscfootball.com as soon as we get them. So, yeah, so the prognosis is we don't know what's going on yet, but it, it, you get the feeling that C.J. Gable could be out a significant amount of time. Either one of those injuries have the potential uh, to knock him out for a while. And you obviously see him injured last year in the red shirt. No one wants to see him go down with those injuries. So we'll keep reporting on that. What's going on there? Replacing him, obviously, Stephon Johnson. I mean, they have a running back by committee anyway. Uh, Gable hadn't won the starting spot. If anyone, I think Johnson was probably slotted for number one. But Pete Carroll loves C.J. Gable, and they're going to have to use a mix of guys to kind of do everything that he did well. But Stephon Johnson will be up there. Uh, you know, Joe McKnight is going to get his carries. He's going to get his touches no matter what uh, in the tailback spot or in the slot, wherever they can stick him just to get him the ball special teams, what have you, uh, and Alan Bradford. So I think Alan Bradford will definitely get a lot more carries, and that's something a lot of fans would like to see just because he's capable of breaking runs and, and running over people. It's kind of more of the bruiser type. And also for guys like Mark Tyler and Broderick Green, uh, who maybe not would get as many carries, they might get a few more thrown their way. So that's kind of what's going on there. And then the final injury I want to talk about, the bizarre one, is with Joe McKnight. Uh, we didn't think Joe was going to practice on Tuesday, but he did. Uh, he's a little limited um, as far as his right hand. He doesn't really feel comfortable catching the ball with his right hand right now. So a lot of his catches have to you know, be in his body. And uh, it actually ended up causing a fumble in the early Wednesday practice just because he's not able to secure the ball the way he would like to. But he wants to be out in the field and he wants to practice. So they're, they're letting him go out there. I thought they might limit him a little bit more than they have. But I think he's really anxious and he wants to get his touches. So they're giving him a chance to do that. Well, the reason why... He, uh, you thought he might be limited. Initially, uh, he had this jockage problem. We didn't really uh, discuss this on the podcast, but several players were, I think we discussed it actually maybe with Dan Weike, we discussed it a little bit, but several players had these new compression shorts and uh, they weren't really fitting to them as securely or maybe a little too securely than what they would like. And uh, they ended up getting these uh, rashes, kind of an inner thigh rash. And uh, players were walking around kind of funny. Uh, Trayvon Patterson was suffering from this. Uh, Joe McKnight and a couple other guys. And uh, it, it really kind of uh, limited what they could do for a while. So they had to change that equipment out. So that was kind of a weird injury. You don't really uh, hear about that too much. A couple of radio shows gave me a call to talk about that because they thought it was funny. Uh, then he had a couple of his fingers smashed in a big wooden door and lost his fingernails. And it was, you know, it, it's, it's just, if you ever had your fingers injured, it's just a very painful place to uh, get injured. And so he had a hard time with that. Then he hyperextended his elbow. So there was three different injuries, two of them of the more bizarre uh, kind that happened to Joe McKnight. And thought they'd hold him out for a little bit, especially with all three of those things. But no, they're, they're letting him play. Uh, maybe with the fumble that he had on Wednesday, they're going to try to limit him a little bit more in the week. But I, I expect him during the scrimmage on Thursday, and we're going to talk about that in a second, to be out there playing and, and getting his touches 
He's going to be, you know, you'll see him on special teams, returning punts. You'll see him in the backfield. You'll see him in the slot, maybe out wide receiver, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Just get him the ball however they can. So we'll see how that hand's healing up and uh, how that works. But just wanted to lastly talk about in this segment, the scrimmage. They're doing a simulated game scrimmage. It's kind of a strange kickoff time, 3.30 p.m. specific, uh, specific, 3.30 Pacific time. And actually, I think they said it's 3.36 because that's the exact time that they would be kicking off uh, when they play at Virginia. They're going to go through the whole thing, uh, Trojan Walk, uh, which is where they walk through the peristyle end of the the Coliseum, and fans can come out there and greet them, shake hands, it's not really an autograph time because players are kind of walking all business rides from their buses through the tunnel of the peristyle down to the field and then through the tunnel to their locker room. Uh, so they'll be able to do that. Fans can come out and take pictures and check them out as they do that initial walkthrough called the Trojan Walk. That'll start about 1.30, so you can get over there and see that. Parking is free. Admission is free. So the, the uh, Pete Carroll and his staff are encouraging all Trojan fans to go out there to the Coliseum on Thursday and check them out. And like I said... 3.36 is the kickoff time, and they'll have a simulated scrimmage. It will be the last scrimmage of fall camp. And uh, pretty much from that point on, they're going to be getting ready, doing game stuff, getting ready for Virginia. They started their first scout team work on Tuesday. So they're, they're starting to do that a little bit, but this will be the last inter-squad scrimmage on Thursday, free open to the public at the Coliseum. It's the 21st, August 21st. Check it out, 3.30 kickoff time. Uh, fans can go in there for free and afterwards come down to the field, get autographs, get pictures with everybody. So it's kind of a fun time. If you haven't got to see these players up close, it's a good time to do that. So everybody check that out. And uh, that's it for this segment. So hopefully that gets everybody up to date on the injuries and you get to hear from Mark Sanchez in our final segment coming up. Don't go away because we're going to hear from Pete Sampson, who is uh, runs the Notre Dame Rivals website. He knows all about Notre Dame football. And we're going to give a preview of them team that didn't do so well last year so let's see how uh how they're going to do this year stay tuned you are listening to the peristyle podcast from los angeles california hey usc trojan fans to get into the huddle of your southern cal trojans log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in trojan football basketball and recruiting news Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. We are back for our third and final segment of the Peristyle Podcast, and we have a very special guest in this segment. We have my good friend Pete Sampson, editor of Irish Illustrated. They cover Notre Dame for the Rivals.com network. How are you doing today, Pete? Doing good. Enjoying uh, training camp. I'm sure you are the same. Yeah, it's a really busy time of the year for uh, for guys like us who have to cover these teams for a living. I was actually checking out Irish Illustrated today. Uh, Coach Weiss seems to give you guys pretty good access. You got a lot of good videos up there of uh, a lot of you know what's going on during practice. Yeah, they really do. They're, they're pretty open with us. I mean, not uh, certainly not the most open, but uh, far from the least. And you know, you really get a good sense of you know how these guys stack up, and you certainly have enough opportunity to see if some of these uh, 
talented freshmen are going to pass the eyeball test or not. So it's uh, it's nice to kind of get in there and get a feel for exactly what Notre Dame has and it doesn't have, uh, you know, at about training camp's halfway point. All right. Well, that's what we wanted to get into. We're trying to go through every week and uh, – We've kind of skipped a couple of weeks because camp gets so crazy, but we figured we had to talk about Notre Dame, try to give some previews of some of the games that are on USC schedules each week. And, uh, you know, I think everybody knows, you know, Notre Dame didn't have their best year last year, three and nine. It was uh, greatly disappointing. But I think when you have a season like that, and I think USC fans remember in the in the 90s, there were seasons maybe not three and nine bad, but, but bad, um, that you know, you, you, there's a lot of optimism that kind of comes out of that because you can't go any place but up. Do you think that's the way kind of the, the Fighting Irish fans are feeling? Yeah, I, I think when you pair that with the recruiting class that they have coming in, um, you know, that was ranked number two on signing day, I think there's there's a lot of reason for optimism, especially if, I think if you're going to play a lot of young players and they played a program record freshman, for freshmen last year, I mean, at least you can have them take their lumps and get something out of it. Um, you know, that experience might not be real pleasant for those guys, but at least they know what they're getting into this year. So, I mean, the number of sophomores that they should have starting with, you know, legitimate game experience from last season should be pretty big. And uh, I think most coaches will tell you, you know, kids make their biggest jump between their freshman and sophomore years. So when you're talking about, you know, quarterback Jimmy Clawson, running backs Robert Hughes and Armando Allen, you know, some linebackers like Brian Smith and Kerry Neal, all sophomores who played a lot as freshmen, um, you know, that, I think that's the biggest reason for encouragement for a lot of Notre Dame fans. All right. And, I, you know, we've talked about this before, and I think a lot of the Notre Dame fans kind of put a little bit of the blame on Tyrone Willingham, who's having his own problems uh, up at Washington. He's going to be on the hot seat this year with a really difficult schedule. It's going to be hard for him to kind of get out from under that. But do you think now, you know, fourth year coming in, is is this kind of the year where you say, okay, they've, they've been able to recover and, and get their own recruiting classes in now. This, this staff's been able to do that, plug in some of their own players. They don't have a year where they didn't have any seniors on the roster or they lost way, you know, way too many seniors for, for one class. Is this the kind of year they can put it together and, and kind of make it work? I think so. I mean, I don't think they can make it work to the level that, you know, USC is making it work. Uh, but I think when you look at this team, I've been telling a lot of people this is, I think this team will look a lot like people thought last year's team should have. And what I mean by that is just that they should be a good running team, a power running team with a, a decent, to, you know, kind of middling passing game and, and a decent defense. I mean, this is not a team that's going to go out and win 10 games, in my opinion. Um, but it is a team that should go out and be competitive every week. Uh, it's a team that I think could win, should win seven games, you know, maybe eight, eight games if they get a break along the way. But, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a team that is you know, far more talented uh, than some of the things that showed last year. And I, I like some of the changes they're making in training camp. Uh, I like some of the changes they're making in the roster. So, yeah, I mean, I see this as a seven or eight win team, and a, and a team that's on the rise. I mean, I don't think that they're going to limp to seven or eight wins. I think people are going to be legitimately encouraged by that. Yeah, and obviously the the big game USC Notre Dame that's going to be at the end of uh, schedule November twenty ninth. But besides that game, I mean, that, obviously USC is a power, and you know they've been up at the top of the Pac ten. But besides that game, there's there's a lot of big names on the schedule, but maybe not. The, you know, I mean, maybe it's a good year 
to get you know Michigan in their first year with Rodriguez and and some of the other teams were like Stanford they're still trying to get back and Pittsburgh could be down and BC could be down. I mean there's a lot of teams that look maybe intimidating when you write that name down and you listen to their fight song but they do kind of look beatable this year. Yeah, and I mean to that extent, I mean the second hardest game on Notre Dame's schedule might be a road trip to North Carolina and I mean how often would you say that about a Notre Dame schedule if the second hardest game would, would be a basketball school? But, uh, I mean, I really think that's the case this year. You nailed it with, you know, Michigan rebuilding. Purdue lost a lot, even though they have their quarterback coming back. Uh, Michigan State always plays them tough, and that game's going to be slanting. But, yeah, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, Stanford, you know, Boston College lost a ton, um, even though their defense should still be pretty good. There's there's a lot of games that on the schedule that, you know, if these teams were, you know, maybe – Average for those program standards, the schedule will be a lot tougher, but there are a lot of rebuilding jobs going on. Um, you know, maybe not to the extent that Notre Dame had it last year, but uh, certainly there's a lot of teams, especially Michigan, that it's going to, it's facing a ton of questions. So it's, it's a schedule where Notre Dame, yeah, can go out and win seven or eight games. Yeah, and it's funny too, because if you look at the schedule, you, you wouldn't think, oh, it's not that strong. It's not like they didn't schedule big name people. There's no, I mean, there's Navy on the schedule, but there's no Air Force, there's no Army. There, but, the, you know, there's all kinds of BCS schools that just happen to be BCS schools that maybe were a power at one time or that could have been power like two years ago. And they're just kind of a, having a down year. So it's kind of it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I, I know I mean, talking to a lot of USC fans last year, they, they kind of they kind of enjoyed seeing their rival go down. And, you know, I, I think part of that was that, you know, 11 or 12 games in a row that Notre Dame was, uh, you know, putting the heat on uh, USC, not letting them win any of those games, tying one of them. So I think they kind of enjoyed seeing Notre Dame be down. But I, I agree with you. I think they're going to come back and uh, get seven, eight, even maybe nine wins this year. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of reason for encouragement among Notre Dame fans that, you know, this is going to be a step. It's not going to be uh, a season where they settle into an eight or, you know, seven, eight, nine win pattern. You know, I think people see this as a step forward, and the year after that, maybe they're at 10. You know, maybe they're at 11. And, and I think that legitimately, a year from now, we're going to be talking about the Notre Dame USC game. It's a great game, and you know, a game that could go either way. Um, you know, this year I don't think that's certainly going to be close to the case. But a year from now, we could be talking about Notre Dame or USC coming to Notre Dame, and like the discussion is going to be more: is it going to be like 2005? What a great game that was. Maybe we'll see something like that. So. You know, I'm sure USC fans love seeing Notre Dame down. Um, you know, that's what rivalries are all about. But I think for college football in general, it's much better when they're both up, and that game is of national importance, which is, you know, kind of kind of what it should be for the sake of college football. I think. No, I agree with you, and I, there are a lot of. I, I think the rivalry with UCLA, there's more kind of hatred, and there's just like because they're in the same city. But the especially the older school alumni that they love the USC Notre Dame game. And I've talked to a lot of Notre Dame alumni when I've gone to those games. And I think there's that same kind of respect there that, yeah, sometimes one team is way down one team is way up. And, uh, you know, that's just going to happen when you have two national powers like that. But I think a lot of them just have that respect there and they would much rather see Notre Dame, like, you know, in 2006 winning 10 games than, uh, in 2007 and, and, and winning three. So we'll have to see what happens, uh, this year, I just want to talk a little bit offense, defense. They have nine nine returning starters on offense. Jimmy Clausen, I mean, are they going to be able to keep him off the ground and, and you know keep him from making some of those turnovers while he's getting sacked and, and kind of get this offense going again? Yeah, I think if they can run the ball, they'll be able to do that. I mean, in some ways, their best pass protection is going to be a running game. And, um, 
they will have questions at left tackle. That's not a position of, of great strength for them. They're going to move a guard over to that position uh, by the name of Mike Turkovich. He's a senior, um, you know, capable, you know, very good run blocker. But, you know, if he's lining up against Everson Griffin, that is going to be a real, going to be a real problem for Notre Dame. <laughs> um, so I think what they ideally will do is be able to run the ball uh, just straight ahead, smash mouth type, and that's not going to that's going to prevent teams from teeing off on. Uh, I do think the line will be better. They've, they've changed up the rotation a little bit in terms of who's going to play. Um, you know, it's not going to be a great offensive line by any stretch of the imagination, but it should be pretty good. Um, it's certainly much improved over uh, last year's abysmal performance. All right, and then last one, we'll let you get back to uh, camp and doing all the great coverage that you do over there at Irish, Irish Illustrated. Uh, let's talk about defense. Seven returning starters. One of the guys that that's going to be missing, and I think you know, it's probably going to be a big hit. I got to see him a little bit down there at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Trevor Laws. He just really was impressed. He impressed the, the heck out of me during the season, and then obviously getting to see him compete against his peers at the Senior Bowl in uh, Mobile, Alabama. He just really looked good out there, and I think he made a pretty good name for himself. 112 tackles last year. How are they going to replace him, and how do you think the defense is going to be overall? I mean, the defensive line is going to be a big problem. Uh, that's my if they if this team falters and they do win seven or maybe they backslide to six games, it's going to be the run defense that does them in because their secondary should be very talented. I really like what they're doing with their linebackers. They'll be starting three sophomores there. But up front, I mean, that's that's where the big questions are. They've got some veterans that haven't really produced much uh, throughout their careers. You got a sophomore named Ian Williams who will take over a nose tackle. Pretty promising guy there. Um, but, you know, somebody like Pat Kutz, who's been kind of a, a workmanlike defensive lineman over the years, really fed off Trevor Laws last season. Now he needs to be the guy. Um, he can't just be a complimentary player anymore. And, I mean, that's, that's the big pressure point for this defense is, are they going to be able to stop anybody? Are they going to get? Pr- I think they'll get pressure on the quarterback, but that's going to come from the linebackers. Uh, but they need their defensive line to hold the point of attack. And I don't think even the most optimistic Notre Dame fan could sit there and tell you, "Oh yeah, this this run defense isn't going to be a problem at all." Because you're right, Trevor Laws. He led the nation in tackles by a defensive lineman last year. Really, kind of a heart and soul type player. You know, USC's had a lot of guys like that over the last few years, and you know those guys are are tough to replace, especially when you haven't recruited well. Over the last few years, they've got some freshmen coming in. Um, you know, a guy named Ethan Johnson, who was a big USC target last year. He's going to come in and play right away a, a ton as a true freshman, um, just because they don't have a lot of depth and they have a lot of untested talent there. All right. Well, if you love them, you hate them. If you want to hear about Notre Dame football, read about it. Check out irishillustrated.com. Pete Sampson does a great job over there. Thank you very much for joining us today. All right, take care, Rod. All right, and everyone, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. That's our show for this week. We'll be back next week talking Trojan football. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.